Hey guys, I just got done recording the episode that you're about to listen to, and I don't know what else to tell you, but I've sat down twice to try to record this episode, and a week apart from one another, and the first time I sat down, the video crashed right at the very end, and right now, I just got done recording this episode, and the audio crashed. And so I I still feel led to, to release this episode. So the audio, it's not going to be through the mic. It'll be just through the camera. I I, I don't know what else to say. Moments like these are, uh, are actually kind of funny because it's just like, okay, Lord, you have a plan. You have a plan. And whatever you want to do with this, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding and trust the, the fact that I don't have a mic, so I shouldn't release this episode. I'm going to release it. And so I pray that this meets you no matter where you are at. Lord God, just have your will and way with this episode. Thank you, Lord, that even when things don't make sense to us and things fail us, Lord, that you can still do immeasurably more than anything we ask or imagine. We thank you, Lord, that even when mics fail and technology fails, that you and your word will not return void. And it's in your name we pray and we surrender. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. As of recording this episode right now, it is a week after a holiday here in the United States called Valentine's Day. As I was looking and seeing all the different ways that people around me were shown love and appreciation for their girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or wife or just someone that they care about, it's one thing to love someone when things are well, but what about when things aren't well? As humans, it is sometimes so easy to know that we are loved or to feel that we are loved on days such as Valentine's Day. But what about the days after? What about the weeks after? What about when the glitz and the glamour wears out and we are alone again with our issues, our flaws, our quirks? What is the extent of the love that we long for even then? As people, we can wrap our head around when we're good, then somebody would love us. But sometimes we struggle to wrap our head around, okay, there's a love that exists even when we're at our lowest. And the Bible is full of reminders that our God loves us even at our lowest. And before I go to a passage in the Bible that I felt went along with this topic of what we're talking about, of being loved beyond our circumstances and beyond the pressure and initiative of the moments, beyond the high points of life, but even when we're at the low seasons of life and when we feel weak and when we feel tired and when we feel weary and when we made the same mistake over and over and over and over and over again and all the vows that we swore that we would keep have fell by the wayside. At those moments when we feel, am I still loved? Before we jump into that passage, I wanted to read an excerpt from my journal just to highlight the humanity of what we're talking about, of this idea of are we loved even when we are not lovable and even when we are not faithful? I said this, Lord, I feel like such a mess. At times such as now, I feel so weak, flipping like a gymnast in moments for no other reason but broken excuses and listening to the lies that this time it will be different. What the absolute crap is that? Lord, it is never different. There's nothing redeeming about turning to the same trash over and over, nothing. Lord, you love me so, so, so much. And you suffered on the cross to set me free. And in moments like this, the cross seems so big. Though not becoming bigger, I guess I'm just realizing in moments like these how much smaller I am than you. And despite how small I am to you, my king, you still call me a friend. At this moment, I can get into my car and drive anywhere. Yet no matter where I go, my hurts, weaknesses, and struggles will follow. 
Though haunted by these things, Father, you remind me how much closer you stay. You remain no matter how far away I roam. There at the ends of the earth, even there, darkness is as light to you. Draw close to the sheep. Father, I don't really know what I'm doing, and I don't know why I do what I do. But Father, I want to do things your way. The cry of my heart is not an annoying sound to you. There is nothing about me that sickens you, even when I discuss myself. You never for a moment take your eyes off me. You know the story that you are writing. You know. As I write this to you in this moment, I have nowhere that I need to be. I have nothing else that I need to do. Yet the sun still shines. Though the temperature is below freezing, your blue sky and the bright 2 p.m. sun still reaches me here in my room. You are so kind. Restore, revive, renew, remake, remold my aching heart, Father. I feel as if I have nothing to offer in seasons such as this. Yet your sun still shines regardless. It was never about my ability to walk, and it never will be. So when I fall, and fall I will, there is nothing that could ever stop you from holding out your nail-pierced hands to catch me. There is nothing that could take away the truth that I am your child, and you will never tire of breaking our fall as we stumble and learning to walk. I am still learning to walk, Father, and you still delight in teaching and calling me to yourself as I do. One day this will all be no more. And fully upright, I'll stand perfected by your hands that held me. And I'll run to you who loved us at our worst. On that day, we embrace every quirk, impurity, weakness, and insecurity. Every question, wound, fear, and regret will melt away as all of my longings, all of our longings, find their quench and fulfillment in your embrace. Only you can talk to dirt and create life. And that same life rests in its author and perfecter. One day, all of this will be no more. And fully upright, I'll stand perfected by the same hands that have always held me. And I'll run to you who love me at my worst. You love me at my worst. And you see the perfected me that I cannot yet see. Lord, you are so involved in the process. Help us reach for your hands that stretch out so wide to us. And underneath this, I wrote Psalms 22, verse 14. And David cries out, he says this, My heart is like wax melting within me, for he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. I will praise you in the great assembly. And that was Psalms 22, verse 14, verse 24, and verse 25. I share all that to share this. It's a lot easier when everything is good to feel as if we have all that we need. But the moments when we're at our lowest, we can understand a depth of the love of our God towards us that can only be experienced when it's experienced when we are at our lowest. On days such as Valentine's Day, it's so awesome feeling loved. It's the days after that mean the most. When we're at our lowest and we feel loved despite our weaknesses, despite our failures, those are the moments when we grow in intimacy with the one that loves us. And even though this is true in a human love, how much more is this true in a heavenly love to our creator 
savior and sustainer. And the passage that stands out to me is found in Exodus 32. Within this part of the scripture, God rescues the Israelite people out of slavery to Egypt. So the Lord takes these people out of slavery, leads them into the desert, and there's a person named Moses that the Lord rises up to lead them through into a land that the Lord promises that he'll lead them to. And this land is often referred to as the promised land. This land would ultimately become Israel. But as Moses is leading the Israelites through the desert, the Lord is not only taking them to a physical destination, but he's taking them through healing of all of the brokenness that they have been subjected to in Egypt, all of the lies that they have accepted in Egypt. And the Lord is doing a recovery and healing and a redemption within their hearts that they're not even aware of. And if they were aware of it, then they would not have fought the way that they fought against the God that was healing, delivering, and leading them. And there's a moment where they pause by a mountain and God calls Moses to come up to the mountain to speak with him. And Moses is in the top of this mountain for a long time and Moses is speaking with God and, and God gives Moses a covenant, a vow that the Lord will provide and the Lord would lead them. But as he's up there in the mountain, the people down below the mountain, the Israelites, they get worried, they get stressed. It's the day after Valentine's Day. Everything was great when they saw the Red Sea's part. But now they're at the bottom of this mountain. Their leader is up on the top of this mountain. God knows what is happening, literally. And they're getting scared of, okay, are we in this desert alone? And what are we going to do? Did our leader die? Did God abandon us? And so instead of waiting patiently and letting that weight just grow a dependence and appreciation for their God, they instead called to Aaron, Moses' brother, and said, look, 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 if we're going to be here for a while, let's at least make another God that would be able to help soothe us in this moment when we feel like there's no one here. And so they build these, these golden calves out of whatever gold that they had on them, and they melt it down and they craft a God in their own image. And so as Moses is at this high with the Lord, on the top of this mountain, the Lord is just speaking love over Moses and his people. God tells Moses, look, as we're talking down below us, your people, they've created a God in their own image. And so this is what it says in Exodus chapter 32 in verse seven, this, the Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people who you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves how quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. And they have melted down gold and made a calf. And they have bound down and made sacrifices to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them. Then I will make you Moses into a great nation. Verse 11, but Moses tried to pacify the Lord and say, oh Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people who you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and with a strong hand? Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? 
Turn away your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster that you've threatened against your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath and saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars. And I will give them all of this land that I promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. Verse 14. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring unto his people. Then Moses went down to the mountain. He held in his hands the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. These tablets were God's work. The words on them were written by God himself. When Joshua heard the boisterous noise of the people shouting below them, he exclaimed to Moses, It sounds like war in the camp. But Moses replied, I hear the sound of celebration. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. When we read passages like this, especially in translations where it uses this verbiage, we, we think, what the heck? How does this show your love for your people in the sense that they make a mistake and you want to just slaughter them? And we can read passages such as Exodus 32 verse 14 about the Lord changing his mind. And we can come away with this false theology that, okay, this is like a God with a temper issue. And if we do one thing wrong, then his love will cease and he'll run away because he's hurt. And, and we can start to attribute to God a human type, a, a exchange model of love, where in reality, that's not what's being said. To Moses, it seemed like God changed his mind, but it was always God's desire for Moses to grow in his understanding of the righteousness and the holiness of God and for his people to learn the holiness and righteousness of God. God knew his plans for his people. He knew how wicked they were when he led them out of Egypt. He knew the wickedness within all of our hearts when he chose to die on the cross. He didn't change his mind. It was his plan all along to break the heart of Moses so that Moses would intercede on behalf of his people. So Moses would understand the depth of love of what it feels like to love someone even at their lowest and to cry out, say, Lord, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. God wanted to give Moses a heart that he had for his people. And in this moment, we see Moses crying out saying, Lord, no, 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 don't do this. It's interesting. The Lord said that he would afflict consequences upon the people on the bottom of the mountain, but he never once said that he would afflict consequences upon Moses. But yet Moses took that burden upon himself. And even though he was not under any threat, he took on all of the, the burdens of the people that were threatened and said, no, 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 no. No, even though I am not going to be afflicted by the consequences of whoring ourselves out in the way that is happening at the bottom of this mountain, Lord, I am broken just as much as if it was me at the bottom of that mountain. In this picture, we see Moses pointing towards the love of Christ towards his people, even at their lowest. As Moses interceded for the people at the bottom of the mountain, that were whoring themselves out to false gods. You see Moses stand in the gap. Likewise, we see Jesus fulfill that, what we see with Moses, and do that to you and to me. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 
For God did not come to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through him. When we see Moses stand in the gap between the brokenness of people at their lowest and a righteous God who deserves all the glory, honor, and praise forever, we see Jesus do the same for you and for me. And God relented in the wrath that that rebellion and sin deserved because he knew that that wrath would be placed upon his son. It's interesting as this passage goes on, there's consequences for this action. When there's injustice, there's something within us that rages and says, no, no, we demand justice, especially when we have been afflicted. When there's been an injustice towards us, we demand justice. Even when there's an injustice towards someone else, we see, especially in the United States in the last two, three years, we've seen when there's injustices, people rise up and say, no, I've had enough. And that's just pointing towards this internally. We have this desire for justice because we're made in the image of a just God. Our creator is just, therefore his creation longs for justice. But because of our rebellion towards a holy God, we are living in a state of brokenness that has come through our ancestors, Adam and Eve. And within us, there's sin. And because there's sin, there's a perversion of everything good, honorable, pure, lovely, admirable in this life. Everything that is pure, honorable, lovely, true, trustworthy, and admirable in this life is corrupted. It's perverse. And likewise, our justice is even perversed. But where our justice is perverse, the justice of God is not perverse. That's why we look to God to redefine how we view this life. Our sense of love is perverse. Our sense of justice is perverse. Our sense of righteousness is perverse. Our sense of honesty and, and integrity is perverse. Therefore, we die to ourselves. We say, Lord, I am as good as dead. And we become alive through the resurrected Savior of Jesus who offers us the same spirit that rose him from the dead. Our God made a way when there was no way in order for us to be able not to stay in our death and our perversion and our corruption of a heart hostile and alienated from a holy righteous God because of sin. But instead, he provided a way through Jesus, the intercessor, the mediator, in order for us to have a reconciled relationship with our holy creator, savior, sustainer, the righteous creator, savior, sustainer. He made a way when there was no way in order for us to know him. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's interesting that Moses himself felt that hostility towards sin that God felt to the point that Moses smashed the covenant that was just spoken into existence by God onto these stone tablets. But yet, even though Moses smashes and breaks the covenant, we're going to see how God continues to pursue after his people, even in the following chapter. As we walk through the passage that we just read in Exodus chapter 32, there's a moment where Moses just has a heart to heart with the Lord. And he says this in Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. One day, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land. But you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. 
If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How would anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on this earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. Moses wasn't just content in having a face-to-face encounter with the Lord. Moses understood his own weakness and he cried out saying, look, Lord, I can't go unless you go with me. If you want to know if you're loved at your worst, cry out to God. Just like Moses cried out here and say, Lord, go with me, be with me, help me bring my heart to repentance. Help me see you. Help me not go unless you want me to go. Help me not do unless you want me to do. Help me know your way and what you desire for my life in order that I may follow after you. Moses didn't just see the brokenness of people around him. He saw his own brokenness. Moses didn't just see the need that other people had for God to lead them. He saw the need that he had for God to lead him. At this moment, Moses realized at his lowest, at the people's lowest, he understood, I don't just want an earthly person to walk with me. I need you. I need you. There was a moment recently where I saw this, this principle of, of love that even when we are vulnerable, just being extended out. And, and this is a human interaction that I saw. And I was sitting at church and I was sitting next to my pastor's wife. And as my pastor was preaching, he started, his voice started to kind of give out and he started to not really be able to speak. And I look over to his wife who is sitting next to me. And as soon as I look over, even before I could say anything, I saw how she had a cough drop already unwrapped, sitting there on the seat in between us. Even before I saw the need, even before I can open my mouth to speak, my pastor's wife saw the need. And why? Because she loves him. She loves him. She is attentively looking after him. And when she saw a moment of weakness, of vulnerability, she was quick to fill in the gap. When God saw our weakness and our vulnerability, though it seems like he may delay heavy heart, he is quick to act. And if you need a reminder of the quickness and just the passion that he has for you, Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Our God became a vulnerable human, just like you, just like me, suffering all of the brokenness that we have to suffer. He saw the brokenness that we have to see. He adopted your brokenness and my brokenness. He put that weight upon his shoulder as the mediator that he is. 
the innocent lamb suffered and was slaughtered to pay the price that justice requires for you and my sin and rebellion. Moses didn't just look at the people saying, look, Lord, your people have sin and rebellion. He saw the sin and rebellion in his heart and he said, Lord, I can't do this. I'm weak apart from you. It's interesting, when Moses broke the tablets of God's covenant towards his people because of Moses' anger at what he was seeing, a chapter right after chapter 33, chapter 34, Exodus 34 says this, Then the Lord told Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the same words that were on the tablets that you smashed. Exodus 34, verse 5, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children on the third and fourth generations. It's interesting, as soon as the Lord is starting to talk about his righteousness and his holiness and his justice, Moses has one reaction in verse 8. Immediately, Moses threw himself down to the ground and worshiped. And he said, oh Lord, if it's true that I found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession. The Lord replied, listen, I am making a covenant with you in the presence of all your people. I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere on this earth or in any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of the Lord, the awesome power I would display for you. Our God is the same God then as he is now, even when we can't feel it when we're at our lowest. I think about passages such as 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when it goes down to, to Paul talking about his own weakness in verse 3, he says this, I came to you in weakness timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Paul understood his own weakness. And he said, look, I'm not coming to you through my strength. I'm coming to you in weakness, knowing the power of God goes before me. Are you loved at your worst? Yes, yes, yes. And it's at our worst that we can understand that. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus, your love for us at our lowest extends upon generation, upon generation, upon generation. Jesus, you are faithful even when we are faithless. May this wash over you, heavy heart. Lord, your love is passionate and steadfast despite our worthlessness when we feel our hearts are rejected by earthly loves and when we feel alone and broken. When our hearts are shattered, Jesus, you cradle all of the pieces of our heart. 
You care about every detail of our life. You are present. You are present and you care. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Lord, we are reminded that you are faithful to complete the good work that you have begun within us. Heavy heart, no matter where today finds you, you are loved. We are loved at our lowest. And may we allow the low points of our life to point our attention towards our only hope, our only deliverer, our only mediator, our only love that goes beyond the circumstances and beyond our own failures or successes. And that is Jesus. May we cast our eyes upon the author and perfecter of the faith that sometimes can feel so fragile within us. I sat down to record what I'm talking to you now a week ago. But within even this week, I've understood even more of the love and the depth of God towards me, even at my lowest. I found myself this last Friday just feeling so apathetic towards the Lord. I didn't want to seek him in prayer. I didn't want to read my scripture. I didn't want to get to know him more. I didn't want to speak with him. But even though I was so apathetic towards the Lord, the whole day I just saw him pursuing after me. <laughs> Likewise, heavy heart, no matter where today finds you, your God is pursuing after you. Yahweh, Yahweh. He is slow to anger. He is compassionate and full of mercy. He's filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And when we don't understand him, may he give us an invitation to lean in even more to say, Lord, I can't understand your ways right now, but help me see you and understand the depth of your love for me and help me walk and seek after you evermore. The best part of me is Jesus. All of our righteous acts are nothing but filthy rags to our holy God. So may we respond today, crying out to our God saying, Lord, you are the best part of me. And even at our lowest, your love will find me here. See me so faithless, trying to work it on my own. See me last shout, ain't nobody else king of this throne. How dare you trying to save me? I don't need no help. But who am I kidding? Wouldn't wanna trust nobody else. I wanna say that you are the best part of me in every way. Ain't nobody better, I see. I'll bend and I'll break. You're the only one that I need I'm gonna say oh, That you are the best part of me judge huh. and through my bitter front can't you see that I'm dying for love my heart's gone to Jericho I don't wanna be hurt no you circle me 40 times around let your love be my word I wanna
wanna say That you are the best part of me In every way Ain't nobody better I see I'll bend and I'll break You are the best part of me